You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, hello, leaders, and welcome to a brand new week on the Enoughness Revolution. I'm so excited to be introducing you to my next guest. She's a high-performance coach, and she just launched her podcast called The Thriving Entrepreneur, which hit new and noteworthy on iTunes, which is a really big deal if you're not a podcaster. So, Yasmin, if you are listening, congratulations, girl. I'm so excited to see your face on that front page. You so deserve it. So a little bit of background between Yasmin and I. So um, for those of you who don't know, I was a cheerleader at NC State. And when I first connected with Yasmin, we were in uh, Maru Yabchella's group. She was leading her uh, raw challenge. And I put a video of me doing the NC State fight song um, as one of the challenges for, for one of the days. And I can't remember exactly what it was now. But Yasmin commented and she was like, oh my gosh, I used to be a professor at NC State. And so from there, we, we just connected and we've been friends ever since. And so, you know, she has actually teaching English and communications for more than a decade when she actually had an epiphany. You know, when, when she was teaching at NC State, she discovered her passion for coaching as she was mentoring a student who was going through some major challenges, and she realized that she enjoyed seeing people have breakthroughs and becoming the best version of themselves. So with a bold move, she started her coaching company, Amplify Your Dreams, at the end of 2012, and in less than 18 months, she was able to leave behind her teaching position to touch lives globally. As a high-performance coach, biz strategist, and motivational speaker, she empowers entrepreneurs and visionaries to reach and maintain their highest levels of clarity, energy, courage, productivity, and influence so they can thrive in all areas of their lives. You can learn more about Yasmin at yasminandnall.com, and you can also join her Facebook community called The Thriving Entrepreneur. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today. So without further ado, here is Yasmin. Welcome back, everyone, to the Enoughness Revolution. I am so, so honored to have a brand new friend and guest with me today. Yasmin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm so happy and honored to be here. We are going to have such a great conversation. I can't wait. So I all know. of our listeners have heard your professional bio, but I always like to give my, my guests an opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words. So would you mind? Oh, of course. I, I don't mind at all. So I'm Yasmin Anel. I professionally, I'm a high performance coach and a business strategist. And um, besides that, I'm a mom of three and with a little baby and mm-hmm. um, happily married. I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey, if mm-hmm. that matters. And um, I love what I do. I mean, I've become a coach really after teaching for more than a decade. I used yeah. to teach at the university level. So I'm a teacher at heart. And when I was teaching, my coaching side came out and I started mentoring my students. They were going through a lot of career decisions and some of them were going through 
in a way, life crises and yeah. just didn't, you know, didn't know what to do with themselves. You know, that college age um, stuff came coming in without their parents. You know, a lot of my students, I taught international students. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot going on in their lives. And when I started teaching them about life skills and just productivity and, you know, maybe using their time in a better way, having a mission in their life, it just lit me up. And I realized that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I was kind of sick and tired of teaching English and writing and, you know, all the academic stuff. Yes. I was like, this is what I want to teach. And how can I do that? And that's, really, it. that's really how it began for me. Now, for all of our listeners, the way that Yasmin and I connected, she used to be a professor at NC State, which is where I did my first two years of college. So we started hitting it off talking about North Carolina and all of this stuff. Yeah. North Carolina girl. So I just, I love that our stories intertwined in that way. Now, I'm really curious with the high performance piece. Um, are you really talking about like productivity? Are you talking about purpose? Like how does all of that work together? I love that question. Thank you so much. Because usually when I say high performance, most people are like, so you work with athletes <laughs> or Olympians? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've had athletes and, you know, clients as well, but that's not what it means. The thing about high performance, you know, there are five main pillars of high mm. performance, and those are clarity, energy, courage, productivity, and influence. When I say this to people, they're like, huh? That doesn't sound like high performance, but if you really think about it, like, let's get to the clarity piece, for instance. You know, briefly, I'll just kind of give you a little Please, bit yeah. of it. And um, so clarity is just knowing what you really want in your life. And that changes from person to person, right? Knowing exactly what you want in all areas of your life, whether it's spirituality, your relationships, you know, your business, your health, getting super clear because we can't achieve anything. We can't get to any place unless we know what we want. Yes. And sometimes people get caught up in the success world, kind of running after something, and then they realize they were chasing the wrong thing. Yes. After I many just years. wrote about that this morning. <laughs> oh my I goodness. feel like we're so conditioned to dream bigger. Mm-hmm. To dream big, dream big, dream big. Which and is great. It is. If you're losing yourself in the process, then it's a killer. Well, I started thinking about this other kind of philosophy of like, what about dreaming deeper? Mm, of instead of like that. going outside of ourselves, let's really go within. And like, what is that dream that's just for us to have? Instead of all of these messages of what we think we're supposed to want to be happy, mm-hmm. like what is our truth? What is our clarity around what that looks like? You know, I love that you said that because this is exactly what I do with my clients. Like on our first call, we, we discuss clarity. We cover the topic of clarity. And one of the things I do with my clients is I have them close their eyes. I actually close my eyes with them so they don't feel awkward. (laughs) And I tell them, okay, take a deep breath, which is something we need to be reminded sometimes. Like, Take a deep breath and think of three words that describe who you are or who you want to become. Like three words that you would be proud to have people say. Three words that you want to show up as every single day. Mm. Because sometimes we think about, you know, success. A lot of people think about what they want to have in life. You know, if you ask someone like, so what do you want to do when you grow up kind of thing? Yes. You know, they're like, well, I want to have this. I want to have that. You know, I want to, whatever it is. Like I talk with my kids sometimes and, you know, if they say something like that, I'm like, so who do you want to become? 
Yes. We forget that piece sometimes and it's good to remind ourselves. And that's something we covered, you know, in the clarity piece. Like what is it that you really want? Who do you want to become in the process? I love that you're hitting on this because there's a big like embodiment piece that goes into my work, especially around enoughness and stepping into our full leadership. Yeah. And it's not so much about what it is you want to achieve. It's, it's who you need to become in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Because all of it is inner work. All of it is who are you and who mm-hmm. do you need to be in order to expand into this vision, right? Yeah, because otherwise you won't be able to enjoy the nice things that you may acquire along the way, which there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, a great house, a beautiful car, you know, an attractive uh, partner. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But the thing is, if you haven't done the inner work, like you just said, if you haven't enjoyed the process, then once you reach there, which it's never enough, (laughs) um, you don't feel happy. It's like, okay, you have all this. And and that's why we we see so many millionaires, billionaires who are depressed Mm -hmm. because they haven't really figured out who they want to become. Yes. It was all about Mm -hmm. having stuff. Yes. And I think that that's um, that's the the story that I fell into uh, for Mm -hmm. most of my life. I, I kept on thinking that if I can go and do these things and become these things and achieve these things, then I would be enough. But Mm -hmm. I really started to recognize that being enough meant becoming whole. And that meant doing that on my own terms and within myself, not anything outside of me. (laughs) I love it. Becoming whole is everything, right? (laughs) It's such a beautiful, it's a hard journey, but it's such a beautiful, vulnerable, and just, I think it's the only journey we really can take to really have a fulfilling life. Yeah, I agree. Now you mentioned that there was another pillar of high performance of courage, right? Yes. Yes. So I would see that, you know, enoughness plays into a lot of these things, but courage, especially. Yes. Um, being absolutely. able to boldly go and step out into the world and go after what it is that you feel like you're meant to do. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how courage shows up for, you know, your clients and in your work? Absolutely. You know, I, I actually work with a lot of, um, I work with entrepreneurs. So my Mm -hmm. clientele is entrepreneurs, visionaries, or people who are maybe just beginning the entrepreneurial journey. Um, But I've had a lot of clients this past year, which was interesting. They've had a lot of success in the financial terms. You know, I even had a couple of multimillionaire clients, Mm -hmm. which was kind of intimidating to me because I'm not a multimillionaire in my business. So when they approached me saying they want to work with me in high performance, I was kind of like joking. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You know, that enoughness piece came in. But then I said to myself, they are financially ahead of me, but I have another piece to introduce into their lives because the fact that they're seeking help, my help in high performance to help them in other areas of your, of their lives is because they're missing that other piece. Yeah. They got it in the financial sense, but their relationships are a wreck. Yeah. They don't even know their kids Mm -hmm. because they are so busy working that when they come home, the kids are asleep. Yeah. You know, or they have kind of distanced themselves from their spouse because, you know, maybe like they're just so busy in their work environment that when they come home, they're so exhausted that they don't even want to talk, let alone have a nice romantic evening. Or they can't turn it off, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or their health is suffering, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, our biggest asset. 
So when that whole courage piece came into the, you know, that, that session is one of my favorite sessions because that's a session where people will start tearing up, where people will start, you know, they'll become silent with some of the deep questions that, you know, because high performance coaching and most coaching really is all about digging deep. Yeah. You know, I'm not there to necessarily give them the solution, but I try to guide them to the solution by asking them deeper questions so that yeah. they find their own transformational truths. Mm-hmm. Because what's true for me may not be true for them. Exactly. So I need to guide them to their own transformational truths. And when I ask questions like, how do you show up in your relationships? Do you let people know the authentic you? Do you let your spouse know exactly what's in your head? Or are you just showing up as the mundane person like, oh, okay, let's have dinner, you know, let's go out, but not really talking anything deep, just surface level. Mm-hmm. And a lot of juicy stuff comes out of there. It's, sometimes <laughs> we laugh, sometimes we cry. I mean, it's so, you know, my clients think that, they get something out of the coaching sessions, right? I get so much out of it myself. And that's why I, I love this work. It has transformed my life through Absolutely. helping others transform theirs. What you're really touching on here is the connection between courage and vulnerability. Yes. And when we really access our, our insecurities or get into that soft space within us, that's mm-hmm. where our boldest courage comes from because it's usually – like those are our hardest, our biggest fears, right? Of mm-hmm. really opening up and being seen. Absolutely. Even with the people that know us the, like the best. Sometimes it's hardest to be vulnerable with those closest to us. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I mean, it may come out in an ugly way sometimes if we're overwhelmed and frustrated, but sometimes most people tend not to let their closest, you know, let's say parents or their spouse or their children know the deepest crevices of their heart mm-hmm. because they're afraid of it. They're afraid of not being loved. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of kind of lifting that veil and revealing it. It's, yeah. It's like being naked. It all goes back to, I'm scared I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> you know, I love the word courage because it comes from, Cœur, like mm-hmm. courage, right? Cœur mm-hmm. in French means heart. Yeah. It's such a beautiful word. I agree. Yeah. So tell me, what happens when people are willing to get vulnerable and be seen and, and willing to push through that veil of, you know, I'm, I'm still enough just as I am and to show you all of myself? What happens in their life when they do that? You know, after that session, a lot of what I notice is they become more inclined to really, uh, well, first of all, it's an eye-opener. You know, it's like, oh, I never thought about this. Because, you know, we don't, like, teach these things at schools, right? No. <laughs> Which is why, like, for me, when I was teaching, I used to literally, like, I mean, I was teaching English. So within my, you know, if I was doing, like, a listening comprehension class for my students, I would put a TED Talk that had to do with, let's say, you know, finding happiness, like what is, what does really happiness mean? Or, you know, something like Brene Brown's I had introduced, like I actually made them watch her TED talk. I would infuse all this personal development as much as I could into my content, into my curriculum, because I felt these are human beings. They're not just robots coming into a classroom, which is most of the time, I mean, no teacher would 
necessarily mean to do that, but it's kind of the way our system works. You know, students come in, take out your things. All right, guys, come on, let's work, 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 work. But there's no time to even breathe, no time to let them express themselves. And um, so the same thing with my clients, you know, when we cover this stuff, when we dig this deep, I think something, they, they start loving themselves more because somehow they realize, okay, you know, I've, I've been hiding. I've been, I haven't been showing up as my real self and they become bolder and just, you know, start, it shows up in their language. It shows up the way they show up, you know, in camera when we do, I I like to do my coaching face to face, Mm -hmm. unless a client's says, I just don't want to be on video, then that's up to them. But I love to have that human connection. Me too. They just show up differently. Yeah. Bolder. Yeah. Almost like more like self-assured. Yeah. Like they're, they're home. They feel more comfortable in their skin. And that's a very powerful place to be. It is. It truly is. So I want to kind of switch gears. I always like to have kind of a vulnerable section of my interviews and talk to my guests about what their own journey to enoughness has been like. Like what are some of the stories that you've had to push through in order to become whole and what that journey still looks like today because we know it's never ending. Oh, it's never ending for sure. You know, I never, I never really realized about this whole enoughness thing in my own personal life until I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. You know, because up until that point, I was just pretty much, well, I'll tell you, like my background in middle school, high school, I was, um, I would say starting from middle school, I became the achiever student. You know, in elementary school, I was the kind of kid, the teacher would always tell my mom, she has so much potential, but she <laughs> wants to play all day. <laughs> I was that creative child, like who could not you know, I grew up in the 80s, right? So I'm an 80s kid. Um, so late 80s, when I started school, it was like, okay, you have to sit at a desk, you have to take notes. And to me, that was the most boring thing. I went to school to play. Like mm-hmm. I was waiting for the recess so I could jump rope with my friends and whatever else we were playing. And that's really what I went to school for. And the class that I enjoyed the most was music because I love singing. And I would just be like, yeah, you know, I'd just <laughs> sing along. I was in chorus. That's where I thrived. But starting in sixth grade, I went to a private school in Istanbul, Turkey, and I started learning English. Mm. And that's when that achiever in me came into place. And I was like, I want to learn how to speak English just like an American because I had American teachers and I loved how they spoke. It was just so beautiful. And comparing it to like people who would be learning English in Turkey with a Turkish accent, I was like, no, I don't want to speak it like that. I want to speak it just like my American teachers. Mm -hmm. And so that's when the achiever Yasmin came up and I would literally spend hours every day practicing. I was in the drama club. I would be in front of the mirror and just practicing the W sound, which we don't have in Turkish or the TH sound, you know, and just... I wanted to be, I wanted to speak it perfectly, you know, as, as best as I could. And I think with that, my high achiever just kicked into a higher gear. You know, I was in drama club. So I, I was always, you know, I started out with smaller roles and I worked my way up to the bigger roles, you know, the lead roles like Eliza in My Fair Lady Mm -hmm. or Anita in West Side Story. And for me, it was like, 
it wasn't about getting there for the ego, but it was, it was part of who I was, you know, okay, this is the person I am. I, I decide to do something and I go get it, mm -hmm. you know, and it was, it, that was so exhilarating that yes. adrenaline rush, right? With <laughs> like you set a goal, you achieve it. You set this goal, you achieve it. The same thing came when, um, you know, I decided to come to the U.S. to study for my undergrad. So I applied and I got into Ohio University, which was the only university I really applied to because um, my sister was doing her master's there. So I kind of knew the environment and I knew that they had what I wanted to study, which was journalism. Mm -hmm. so I applied, got in. So that was another achievement thing. Came to the U.S., and did really well that year, my first year, went back to Istanbul. I'm just giving you like a total story of my life here, but there's a point, I promise. <laughs> so went back to Istanbul that summer. My, my dad said, you know, you, you have to come. I miss you. I was actually going to, you know, the high achiever me was going to stay and take summer courses. Mm -hmm. Like, hello, of course, <laughs> right? Like, who wants a break? And my dad was like, no, you, you got to come. I miss you so much. We miss you. You have to come and spend the summer with us. So he convinced me to go back and he was my best friend. You know, my dad and I were just like this, you know, all my life. And um, so that summer he got really, really sick and he passed away mm. six days before I was scheduled to come back to the U.S. That was probably one of the hardest things in my life, you know, and having had my dad, um, I was very close to him, but he also had, he knew how to give me wings. You know, he wasn't like this protective dad. He was the kind, I mean, you can tell he let me go across the ocean, right? Yeah. Nine hours away to, to study. Um, so he always empowered me like, you can do your thing. You don't need anyone. And when he passed away, I realized dad is not there anymore. Mm. Like, even though he had given me wings, I was still, you know, daddy's girl. I still had that in me. And that's where that spirituality, spirituality piece came into my life because I kind of felt like I don't have dad anymore. Yeah. He's gone, you know? And of course, so many other things began. And my journey in college was probably the most um, exciting, but also one of the hardest journeys I've been in because it was very hard financially to put myself through college without my dad's financial support. Sure. You know, and just being able to say, I am enough. I can, I can do this. I got this. And I had to prove that, you know, like, cause my mom was like, just come back. You're going to starve. You're going to die. You know, like she was so worried about me, <laughs> um, which some days I probably was starving because I was paying my tuition and not eating. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, I think that's where it all began for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you went to graduate school and you started awakening to this, there's this high achiever Yasmin, but there's yes. this other Yasmin. Tell me about that journey. You know, actually grad school is very different from undergrad, right? Because for me, undergrad, I was single. I was super young. You know, I, I was pretty much like almost 17 when I came to the U.S. I finished school earlier. Um, I never went to kindergarten. My dad just put me in first grade because I already knew how to read and write, you know, with mm -hmm. older siblings. <clears throat> and um, so I was definitely, it was a different moment. Grad school, I went to it. I decided to go back to it after working for some time, after actually teaching for some time and realizing, you know what, I 
want to go back to graduate school because I want to learn how to do this. But before I get into that, I want to tell you something that has to do with enoughness a lot. And it's the whole idea of when I graduated with a journalism degree, you know, which was like a coveted degree. It was Ohio University was one of the, it was in the top 10 at the time in the country in terms of school of journalism. So it was a great um, experience. I was the only international student who actually graduated, who was in that department because most international students didn't even dare go and, you know, say, I want to write in English, you know? <laughs> right. So, uh, I was the bold one who was like, yeah, I, I got this. So I, I was in PR journalism, really, like that's what I studied. But as a job, I found something in a news, you know, room, pretty much. I was writing news stories, lifeless news stories, which is so not me to sit in front of a computer all day. I'm a people person. Can you tell? Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I thrive off of people's energy. So Having found that job, which was awesome, you know, and they were sponsoring me, you know, I was an international student. So I had a certain limit of time where I could get sponsored to, you know, on my pathway to become a U.S. citizen, right? So I had that one year, kind of like an internship that they allow you to work legally. So they were willing to do that. But I was like, you know what? I hate this job. And that enoughness piece kept hitting me, you know, like, yeah, but this is what defines you. You know, you're a journalist. You studied so hard. You, you know, spent thousands of dollars to put yourself through college and now you want to quit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what everybody else was telling me, like my mom and, and everyone. I was like, yeah, but I'm not living. Like, I don't like this. Yes. And, and I quit. It was a bold step. I didn't know what was next, but I just literally packed up and moved from Ohio to New York City and started my, I guess, search for a job because I had that, like, I had nine more months where I could work legally. And, um, but I wanted to find something that I really loved. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that's a huge enoughness piece, I think, that came into play mm -hmm. during that time. And no doubt this has showed up in your entrepreneurial journey as well. <laughs> Having of to put course. yourself out there. Because I think anytime we, we go and we quit something that is, I think in our culture deemed as safe. Mm -hmm. um, anytime you're working for somebody else, you're working towards a pension, you're working towards retirement. Like this is the safe thing to do. Mm -hmm. And to go and like really put yourself out there and really rely solely on yourself to provide for your family and more importantly for your dreams, I think. Um, it's quite often that we come up with, well, am I good enough to do this? Can mm -hmm. I really do this? And do I have something that is so uniquely valuable to give the world? That I can be mm -hmm. successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing, the thing is, when I first began my entrepreneurial journey, you know, I, I transitioned from being a, being a university professor pretty much to a coach. And I think one of the hardest things was I was never really into the status of being a university professor which really my title is instructor because I don't have a PhD. So you can't really become a full, you know, fledged professor unless you have a PhD. Mm -hmm. So I was an instructor, but you know, it goes under as an associate uh, professor or adjunct professor. Anyway, enough about titles, but for me, it wasn't that, but for a lot of deep down, it was like, okay, I'm leaving something that I know is sustaining me financially and it, it has its props, you know, to be able to, you know, 
even like when someone asks, like, what do you do? Oh, I teach at NC State. It was cool to say that. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, okay, it's cool to say, but it came to such a point where I wasn't happy anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I love teaching. And up until I left my job, I was on that, you know, like I pretty much started out, you know, as any teacher would like, oh my gosh, I hate this. I love it. I hate it. I love it. It's like an entrepreneurial journey. But eventually I climbed that summit and I was enjoying it. I knew what the heck I was doing for the yeah. first time. <laughs> the students were thriving and, you know, they were giving me like literally the, some of the best comments at the end of the year on the, on the feedback that we get from students. My supervisor wouldn't even come to my class anymore. She was like, you're just awesome. I don't need to. <laughs> you're just great. But, you know, that was another piece that I was like, I want to be challenged. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm being challenged anymore. It's just like, okay, you're great. You're awesome. Keep doing your thing. But where is the growth? Mm -hmm. So for me, I wanted to leave it at that summit. I didn't want it to be like going down. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hate this place. So when I realized my classroom was just getting too small for what I wanted to do, and I'm not saying that to belittle teaching position at all, but it was just, I, I was feeling stifled. I was feeling like, oh my God, I can't breathe anymore. I knew that was the time to get out. Yes. Yeah. But I made an escape plan. You know, I wasn't just like, <laughs> let, me, let me go out. You know, for me, it was like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm bringing in at least half of what I'm making, you know, which, which is easy because we know teachers don't make much. <laughs> you know, so that was a piece of cake. You know, I was like, okay, at least I need to know, I, I need to be able to make, you know, half of what I'm making and know that I can double it up, you know, yes. eventually. So that was my escape plan and something miraculous happened. And I know it's not a coincidence because God works in amazing, miraculous ways, right? I got pregnant ah. after, you know, many years, it was our pleasant surprise. And once I knew I was pregnant, I was like, that's it this thing is real. And I need to really work my butt off, get this side dream business off the ground. Cause I started coaching while I was teaching. I mean, I was literally going to the green screen room in the, in NC state. They actually have a studio, like a video mm -hmm. studio. And I was shooting videos. I was making horrible videos, but <laughs> I was trying, you know, I was like, okay, hey guys, my name is Yasmin. I'm the founder of Amplify Your Dreams. So I already had my coaching company and everything and I was teaching, you know, really when I watch those videos, I laugh. Of course, it's horrible, but you got to start somewhere, right? Yes. And, and once I knew I was pregnant, I was like, that's it. I need to really get serious about this and get this growing so that once I'm ready to go, once I'm ready to deliver, I can say goodbye. And it's such a great transition because you leave for maternity leave anyway. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like I quit my job. It was like I left for maternity leave and never went back. Yeah. <laughs> long maternity leave. <laughs> the longest. Yes. I almost love two that. years. Almost two years now. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be two. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think also, too, um, a lot of people, we wait to get started. We wait to put ourselves out there until we feel like everything's good enough. And I think that that's not, <laughs> that's not the way to success. Like you just oh have goodness. to do it. Just do it. And good enough is enough for you to start. You, you know, I, along the way. I actually didn't really have a problem with that because somehow 
I was always bold. Like when I, when I was just learning how to speak English, I would still go out there and totally butcher the language, but I would still talk with my teachers, you know, and they would, and I would tell them, please correct me. Every time I make a mistake, tell me how to say it. And so I, I never had that, you know, and which is, I guess, why I've been able to learn a couple of languages in my life, because I was never really embarrassed to make mistakes. I was like, I have to make mistakes to learn how to say it right. Mm. You know, sometimes I said really embarrassing things, like totally like horrible stuff. <laughs> my teacher's like, no, 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 that's not what it means. You know, but I was like, okay, now I know I will never say that again. <laughs> and um, so I think the same thing with business, like you need to, or just really putting yourself out there as an entrepreneur. I, I had that pat down, but the thing that I struggled with was, oh, okay, I can do this. I can make videos. Yeah. They're going to suck at first. That's okay because I'm going to eventually get better. So I was cool with that. And even hate and stuff, you know, for videos, if people like were, would write hateful comments, I'd just, I, I would just go and be like, delete. And it really didn't bother me because I got a lot of weird comments from people, you know, and, um, but still it kind of kept me going. But the thing that I realized once I started gaining momentum in my business and I started getting clients, then the concept somehow that horrible thought crept into my brain. Like, are you going to be able to keep it up? Mm. Are you going to be able to keep it up? Like, yeah, you had a 10 K month. Are you going to be able to keep it up? Mm -hmm. Are you good enough to keep it up? You know? And it was just like, ah, stop. Stop telling me those things, right? And so I really had to work around that. And so what were some of the things that you implemented to talk to that inner critic? You know, the thing that I kept saying to myself is, it's okay if I don't keep it up. Like, it's not about keeping it up. It's about knowing that I put my content out there on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm enjoying the process. Like I really geek out about going live on Periscope. Like I just did a Periscope right before this. And today I had like three viewers. I usually have at least 25, 30 people. Mm -hmm. And I was first thinking to myself, what the heck? Why do I have only (laughs) three people? And then I was like, you know what? I even said it in the Periscope, uh, in the scope itself. Like if you go back and see it, I said, well, you know what? We only have a few people here, but it's the quality, not the quantity. So I'm going to give you guys whatever I have with the same energy. Because I had to kind of remind myself, like at some point I was like, do I just go out of the scope and just say, bye, I'll come back another day? Or do I just keep teaching? And yes, you keep teaching because there will be people watching it on the replay, right? There's definitely a piece of resiliency to the way you show up for yourself. And I, I just really love that. Just the way, like even I think from an early age, just being a very resilient person of being willing to make mistakes of being willing to reframe things when they don't go necessarily the way you want them to go and to keep on going. And that's such an important piece to actualizing our dreams, It is, but also reminding ourselves like we're still enough if it doesn't turn out. Okay. Like just keep going. Exactly. And get better in the process. You know, to me, that's, I always feel, you know, for me, I think enoughness crept in more in motherhood than in my business. Mm. business, It was like, okay, you know, I don't have to have this, like I have big goals. I mean, last year I was like, I want to reach six figures in my business, you know, because last year was really the year of momentum for me in my 
it was like, okay, I had the baby. I took care of her the first, you know, like nine months and stuff, like exclusively didn't really do anything besides just posting my content and videos and stuff like that. But I didn't really sell anything. Mm-hmm. Once she was nine months, I was like, I'm launching my online course. It's time to make money, you yeah. know? Um, of course, I was coaching clients, but I wasn't doing anything in like the big sense of like putting something me- mega out there, right? But for me, that was not, I never struggled with enoughness there. Enoughness always crept in. Am I doing enough for my kids? Mm. Because I'm this high achiever mom in the working world, am I doing enough? And there was always that guilt. And there's still that guilt. You know, I have to like overcome it every single day. It's an everyday piece for me where it's like, I am doing enough. You know, I have to like convince myself. And sometimes I talk to my husband about this a lot, you know, and he's an amazing coach and he's an amazing listener. Like he can listen for hours Mm -hmm. and just really give you like words of wisdom at the end, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) I could do that. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's where my struggle is the most. And I'm being very vulnerable saying it. It's very hard to admit it. My last guest was um, talking about that too, about the not enoughness coming in in motherhood. And I think um, something that's really helpful is just the mantras that we use to really reinforce that we are doing enough. And Mm -hmm. by us going after our dreams, we're doing something very valuable for our kids. We are. And that's what I remind myself every day. And I'm blessed to have an older son who is, you know, 15 right now and a younger son, 11. So they they also keep me sane because sometimes they'll see me with that guilt and saying, oh gosh, I didn't do enough with you guys this week. And my older son will be like, mom, you did enough. Like, you don't have to sit with us for hours. Like, we don't want to sit with you for hours. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, okay, you made me feel better. <laughs> you know, I realized, okay, they passed that stage anyway. Like when they were little, I really did a lot with them. Like we would do so much. But then I realized they have changed too. I mean, they're in a different phase. For them, doing something cool is like, going and seeing a movie together, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's enough for them. Or just the fact that I, I make it a mission to tuck them in still, you know, even if they're like, come on, you know, you don't have to step into it. but I still make it a mission and just, you know, cuddle with them and just, you know, give them a little back rub or just say something, you know, say how much I appreciate them. Yeah. And, and just realizing that those are enough. That is the little things. It, it doesn't mean you have to spend one hour block every day with each kid. You know, I have three, so that would be three hours. Yes. It's possible. Mm-hmm. So I think I was setting myself self up for that guilt, you know, because I was, sure. yeah, I was, again, being the achiever. I was like, well, I need to spend one hour with each child every day. That's three hours. <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting, like the way that we define enoughness mm-hmm. um, and how we define it in different areas of our life of, well, if I, it'll be enough when I do this, or it'll be enough when I do this. And especially when we're talking about relationships, we have to take into consideration what's enough for this other person, like from their perspective, mm. because you have your sons telling you, mom, you're doing more than enough. Like, it's great. Yeah. So when we can kind of tap into what these other people are really needing instead of deciding for them. Mm-hmm. which is a lot of what happens when we create this pressure for ourselves. We decide what, what we think other people need without yeah. like reality checking it with them. You're right. We're creating all this like conflict for ourselves that is sometimes unneeded. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also letting them tell me, you know, for instance, like you were saying, 
you know, my son, he wrote this um, for his English class. He wrote an essay. When I read it, I was bawling. I was just a mess. I was a hot mess crying because <laughs> he spoke about how I inspire him to go after his dreams. <sighs> like he spoke about how my mom didn't give up. You know, she was teaching, but then she got into business. At first she didn't have clients, but she didn't give up. She worked really hard and, you know, she, and I want to be an entrepreneur. Like he was talking about how he wants to become an entrepreneur. I was like, you know what? I never, like, I never sat down and told him like, become an entrepreneur, make sure you do this. Look how hard I'm working. Look how hard I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, for him to get those things and, and even do things, you know, like sometimes like I'll, I'll be somewhere and I'll come and he's like, let's say he was home, you know, with daddy and stuff. He'll be like, okay, we cleaned the whole house. It's so nice. And I'm like, you know, that shows they realize how, how hard I work Mm -hmm. and they want to make things easy for me too. Yeah. It just, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Yasmin, thank you so much for being such a phenomenal guest for me today. Thank so you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's oh. always a pleasure connecting with you, and it's just so awesome to talk about such an important topic. Mm, I so agree. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining Yasmin and I for another episode of the Enoughness Revolution. We will see you again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.